Uh, last week, we had the uh, Certainty Conference, so we were off. Um, if you were not able to attend that and you're interested, uh, all of the videos and, and everything is available on our website, and I would certainly encourage you to check that out. Uh, but, but the week before that, we were in Ezekiel chapter 33, so if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be there uh, one more time tonight. Um, and we've been talking about being watchmen and politically correct, watch women, right? We are watchers, so I, I, don't, I don't really do politically correct, so that was just for the fun of it. It wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. Uh, but anyways, we are called to be watchmen, and, and what we're watching for is a message from God, right? And, and what we're watching for is a specific message from God to specific people. And a couple of weeks ago, we saw the message that God had for the wicked, right? And, and we all, at one point in our lives, before choosing Christ as our Savior, were in that category, right? We were wicked without Christ, without his salvation, without his blood. That's, that's who we were. And so all of our friends and family that are yet to choose Christ as Savior are in that category. So it's certainly you know, important for us to know what God's message is for the wicked, and, and we saw that, that the message was to turn away from your sins and not just, not just put on an act, not just do good things. Turn away from your sins, but turn unto Christ, right? That's the only way we can receive salvation. That's the only deliverance. So tonight we're going to be in Ezekiel 33 again. We're going to start in verse 10. There was uh, one verse or a section of a verse that I skipped because I knew we were going to be, be there tonight. So let's go ahead and read Ezekiel 10 or Ezekiel 33, verse 10, and it starts off and says, Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? If we pine away, if we just waste away in our sins, you know, what, what are we supposed to do? Verse 11, Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked turn from his way and live. And this is what we saw two weeks ago. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will ye die, O house of Israel? All right, and man, isn't it awesome that, that God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked? Right? He, he doesn't want the wicked to just continue in their ways and to continue to, to not know him and to continue, continue to not have any way of salvation. And the proof that God takes no pleasure in that is the fact that he provided a way out. And not only did he provide a way out, he's constantly communicating that way out. Right? That, that proves that he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. If he took pleasure in the death of the wicked, he would just sit back and enjoy it. He would just sit back and not say anything. And that's not, a, that's, that's not what he's done at all. Let's move on in verse 12. It says, Therefore thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression." As for the wickedness of the wicked, we saw this again, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness, neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trust in his own righteousness and commit iniquity, all his righteousnesses shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that he hath committed, he shall die for it. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get into the details of what we need to see tonight. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Ezekiel, uh, this man of God, the son, this son of man that you've continually given these messages to. 
Uh, thank you for calling us to be watchmen and giving us the most important job on the planet, to, to call out your message, to cry out your warning, uh, to tell people to turn. And tonight we're gonna see your description of righteousness and your standard and how we fall short. And, and Lord, we need to know that uh, there is a way and we need to know that, man, it's, it's so urgent for us to share that message with those who are counting on their own righteousness. Lord, we love you. I just pray that you help us to get this. This is familiar territory again, but, but we need to be able to, to make this um, ours and make it uh, uh, just give us the ability to, to run with it. We need to know it well enough to be able to give it to any, everybody and anybody we come across. And just pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the first thing we're going to see, the first thing that we just saw is, is that God has a righteous standard. God has a righteous standard. And underneath of that on your sheets, uh, there's some blanks there. Our, our good works are not good enough. All right, we saw that in verses 12 and 13. We're going to read that again. Our good works are not good enough. He says, Therefore thou, son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. And, and further down, he says, neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. And then he says to the righteous again, in verse 13, if he trust in his own righteousness and commit iniquity or sin, all his righteousnesses shall not be remembered. Well, the unfortunate truth is, you can stack up all of your good works and you are still a sinner, right? Because that's not the measurement, right? There's, there's a lot of words here and, and basically what he's saying is if you're counting on God to take into account that you're a good person and hoping that that's enough, he says that's not enough. That's not the standard by which he's measuring, right? We understand that. If you're counting on your righteousness to satisfy the wrath of God, it doesn't. It's a different, it's a higher standard. Isaiah 64, 6 says, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The best that we can muster is just cleaning rags, right? Just wiping material, just, just to clean up a mess. That's the best that we've got. Romans 3, 23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, in our best efforts, fall short. Matthew 5.20, Jesus was always, always saying weird stuff to, to the Pharisees especially because <laughs> they were prideful and arrogant and they would come against him and so he would say something that they wouldn't understand and then he would explain it to his disciples later. But check it out in Matthew 5.20, he says, For I say unto you that except your righteousnesses or except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, the, these guys, if you're, if you're not more righteous than the Pharisees, if you're not more righteous than, than the guys who keep the law and hand out the law and make sure that everybody else is keeping the law, you can't get in. And so, you know, if, if people were hearing that message, they're probably like, whoa, whoa, so it's, so it's not possible at all, right? And obviously his point was that I'm not measuring by the same standard. I'm not measuring by the things that they're doing. Because later in Matthew 23, he's, he's coming down on the Pharisees. Verses 20, 26 through 28, he says, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. 
Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like a whited sepulchre or a grave, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, also outwardly appear righteous unto men. Everybody else thinks you got it all together, but within you're full of hypocrisy, right? And, and it, in my house, if, if there's, you know, you put the dishes in the dishwasher and sometimes there's a real nasty one and it, you know, it doesn't all go down the filter and the drain and sometimes the little thing sticks to the outside of your cup. I can drink out of that cup. I don't know about you. If it's on the inside, I'm sticking it back in. <laughs> but if it's on the outside, I don't care if the outside's clean, you know. It's the inside I'm worried about. I and mean, that's gross, but I just don't worry about it. <laughs> that's just me. Christ is saying, look, I care about what's on the inside. You guys are only putting on display this righteousness on the outside. I know you've got sin. All of your works, all of the good things you do, the best that you can muster is not good enough because I know there's sin inside. And the only thing that gets rid of that is, is Jesus Christ. Right? You, can, you can come to Christ and he can change you from the inside and, and lead you to good works, and we'll see that in a minute. Or you can fake it. And, and do good works so that everybody thinks that you know Christ. Those are two very different righteousnesses. Righteousnesses, I think that's how you say that. So if, if the good that we do is not enough, what is the message from God to the self-righteous? So if, if we're in here and, and we say, you know, and I don't know specifically everybody if you would uh, claim to know Christ as your Savior, if, if you don't and you're, you're thinking... Well, you know, certainly, in the end of all things, after all is weighed and, you know, I'm a good person, certainly that'll be enough. These verses say that is not enough. That is not the case. And maybe you do know Jesus Christ as your Savior. What, what is God's response to the self-righteous? What, is, what it should our response be? And that's number two, the response to the self-righteous, those who are counting on their works to get them into good graces with the Lord. The response to the self-righteous, according to the Bible, is you give the law for the proud and grace is for the humble. The law is for the proud and grace is for the humble. In, it's, it's not on your, your sheet, but in, in the New Testament, God, I think it's Galatians, God talks about, or, or Peter Jeez, ow, I can't even, I don't know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Paul wrote Galatians. Yeah, okay, we're back. Paul says to the Galatian church, or church is, he says that the law was the schoolmaster. The, the purpose of the law was to prove you couldn't do it. The law was impossible for you to keep. What did, what did it do as a schoolmaster? It taught you, you need grace. You think you've got it all together. Well, guess what? You don't. The, the law as the schoolmaster is going to bring you to the point to where you understand you need grace. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You know what's going on is, is he's saying, look, if you're counting on your works, man, that's pride. You think that you're good enough that you don't need Jesus who died for you to get you into heaven, to get you into good graces with God the Father. You think you're good enough that, that Christ didn't have to sacrifice himself, you don't have to humble yourself and follow him. 
He says, that's pride, and he's going to resist you. But when you humble yourself and understand and, and believe that that's true and follow that, man, he says, what follows that is grace. He knew we weren't good enough, and that's why Jesus came to our rescue, right? Matthew nine thirteen. but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, right? He's, he's teaching, he's sitting down with sinners, he's sitting with all these people, and the Pharisees are kind of freaking out, and they're like, what, what are you doing spending time with all these sinners? And he says, well, I didn't, I didn't come to save the righteous. These are the people I came for. And the funny thing is, those self-righteous people totally missed the message, didn't they? They totally missed the fact that they were also sinners in need of that same Savior, because they were dependent upon their own works and their own righteousness, and he resisted their pride and turned to the humble. He does it every time. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right? It's the belief. It's the faith. That submission to what he says is true, that's where that humility comes in, into play. We see it again in Romans 10, 9, and 10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Well, anytime you're confessing someone is your Lord, I think there's some humility there. Humility has to be a part of that. He says, confess the Lord Jesus and, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made into salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through, by, or through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no works, there's nothing that you can bring to the table to say, hey God, I've earned this. This is on me, right? We can't take credit for it. Verse 10, he says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Right? So a lot of people want to say, well, you know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about turning from your sins. The message wasn't just, all, well, if you just start doing good things, God's going to be happy with you. That's not the message, right? The message is turn to Jesus Christ and he will change you inside and he will put you to work doing good works. You don't have to change to come to him. He doesn't need you to clean yourself up for him to be satisfied. He'll do the changing, right? It's by grace through faith. You submit yourself in agreement with what he said. You place your faith in him. Romans 4 Verses three through five says, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. What, Abraham's works? No, it was, it was his faith. Right? He believed God and what God said. He humbled himself and did the work that God called him to because he believed it. He didn't do it in order to please God to earn his way. He did it because he believed him. He did it because he had faith. It says, now unto him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Look, if you're going to work your way, you've got to do it perfectly. You, you can't have any mistakes. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Right? That's, that's how we get in. John chapter 3, there's a, a man named Nicodemus that, that Jesus is in a conversation with. He's 
He's a self-righteous individual. He's a Pharisee. He thinks that he knows some stuff, and Jesus promptly puts him in his place, and it's a pretty cool little dialogue. John chapter 3, verse 1, it starts off, as says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This guy's pretty important. The same came to Jesus by night. I wonder why he came at night. Probably so nobody could see him, right? And said unto him, Rabbi, we know. So, he's starting off right off the bat. You know, you're, you're really important, but we know some stuff, right? I don't know if you caught that. We know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, who, who knows some stuff, said unto, saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. He's saying, hey, Nicodemus, since you know some stuff, let's talk about some stuff, right? He says, You've got to be born again if you want to be into the kingdom of God. What do you mean? Well, there's a physical birth. There's also a spiritual birth. There's, there's the, the physical wind that blows that you can't see. Well, there's also the spirit of God that moves that you can't see. And the best part is in verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? I thought you knew something. You started off telling me what you knew. Turns out you don't know much, do you? You know the response from God to pride is resistance every time. You know what your response to those who are counting on their works to get them into heaven? It's not to deliver the grace of the gospel, is it? Well, you know, I know you think you're awesome, but, but Jesus died for you. Well, that's okay, I'm awesome. I don't need that. God's going to count me okay because my works are good enough. I'm a good person. I'm counting on that. I just don't feel like God would actually, well, what's God, what does God say? The law says you've failed. The law says you've fallen short. The Bible says that you're a sinner. The Bible says that your righteousnesses are as filthy rags. The best that you can put in front of God as an offering of your works is not good enough. If you deliver grace to that individual, if you deliver the gospel of peace, what, what do they need that for? I already got my works, I'm good. But your works are no good. That's the message that Jesus starts off with. You, you read the rest of the text in John chapter three, Jesus gets to the grace of the gospel of peace, right? He gets to the message, but first and foremost, he needs Nicodemus to see that Nicodemus doesn't know what he thinks he knows. He needs to break through Nicodemus' pride. And Nicodemus needs to recognize, I, I need to be born again. I, I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe this guy's more than just sent from God. Right? Christ had to break through that pride, first of all. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. 
So if, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, and you're counting on your works to save you, you are dependent upon your own righteousness. And that's a bad place to be. It's not good enough. You need to humble yourself, and you need to accept the free gift of salvation. You need to place your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross to make you accepted in Christ. Right? You be accepted in the beloved, is what the Bible tells us. So if you've done that, and most of you have, have done that, what's the real world application? How, how do we go out into the world and, and talk to our friends and our family who, who think they're okay where they are? What, what do we do? And the real world application is share your story. Right? What, if, what if there's somebody that knows more than you? I guarantee they're out there. <laughs> I, I think a lot of you know more than I know. Depends on the topic. But there's a lot of things that I don't know. And, and it's intimidating to talk to people. Because what, what if they actually have a verse that I don't know how to explain? <gasps> I mean, crying out loud, I'm a pastor. I can't. I can't talk out loud to somebody and then have them turn around and give me a verse that I don't know what context it's in or what to do with. I mean, I'm just better off not talking, right? I'm just better off just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> it's what I want to do. All, all too often it's what I, I do do. That's, that's not nice. That's what I do. That sounds better. We need to share our story. We're not going to go there, but Hebrews 11 is an interesting passage, right? It's the hall of faith, and it's a list of faith and obedience. It's a list of works that were driven by faith, right? God was not satisfied with the, the individuals on the, the hall of faith on that list because of the things that they did. He was satisfied with them. He counted them worthy. He counted them faithful because their faith moved them to do the things that they did. Check that passage out sometime and, and, and look at the fact there, there's a statement of their belief and there's a statement of action that that belief drove each individual to. Right? So what are we supposed to do? What's the, what's the action we're supposed to do? <laughs> we obviously already know, you know, we've turned, we've submitted our lives to Christ, we're following him, but now our faith and obedience has to be in sharing that message with others. There's an awesome story in John chapter 9, and I'm going to read most of it here. <coughs> so I'm going to get a drink because my voice is already failing. If you want to turn there, it should be on the, the screen. This is a story of a, a man that, that Jesus heals from blindness. And then he tells this man what to do. And, and he obeys, he's healed, and then he just starts sharing his message, right? And all he knows is very, very, very little. But he's not, a, he's not afraid to share it. So we're going to look at this, we're going to read it, and then we're going to see seven things that we can draw, hopefully, personal application from just sharing your story and the power that it can have. So verse 1 says, And Jesus passed by, he saw a man, which was blind from his birth. And the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, 
that he was born blind. Jesus answered, neither this man nor his, neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which had before seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He's like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes. And said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went, and I washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay in my eyes, I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he, keep, he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, What sayest thou of him, that he hath opened thine eyes? He said, He is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him and he, that he had been blind and received sight until they called the parents of him, that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again they called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or not, or, or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Then said they to him again, what did, he do, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. There, wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is this is a marvelous thing? or why herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, he heareth. Him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? There's that wonderful righteousness, right? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, 
And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. All right, so we read through all of that so that I didn't have to just tell the story. There are seven cool little things. There's a ton more than seven. There's just some seven, seven takeaways here, specifically with sharing your faith. In verse 9, the cool thing, this all starts off because people notice a changed life, don't they? You know, your, your life is one way. When you give your life to Christ, he starts making changes on the inside. I can remember when I got saved, my mom said, you're different. She was already saved, right? She already knew the Lord. She knew when I got saved without me telling her because I was no longer angry. I was no longer, you know, just road rage. <laughs> the road driving always just set me off. When I'm in my flesh, it does it still, right? It still happens. That's how I know I'm in my flesh because that's the old man, right? But this, this, the changed life, provided the opportunity to share, right? These people knew this blind man. He wasn't the same anymore. Something was different. Well, maybe he's just like that guy. It's, that's not the same guy, right? Verse 12, <clears throat> this is important. I don't know is a good answer when it's true. Right? Don't make something up. The Pharisees, they were asking him questions he didn't know the answer to. Where is he now? I don't know. Well, we think he's a sinner. Well, whether he's a sinner or not, I, I don't know. I just know he healed me. Right? If you don't know, then say so. It's okay. Don't make something up and back yourself into a corner of more things you don't know. <laughs> right? And then you found out as a, as a liar and your testimony doesn't have much weight. Verses 15 and 16, opposition will come. When you start obeying the Lord and simply opening your mouth to share your story about what God did, even though it's not their story, people will disagree with you. People will tell you that's not possible. People will tell you it didn't happen that way. But you know what you know? It did. It did happen that way. That's exactly what happened. I gave my life to Christ and he changed me. I promise that's what happened because I know. Because it was me. <laughs> and I know the order of events, right? Verses 21 and 25. Just tell your story. Tell what you know. Right? He says, whereas I was blind, now I see. And it's all connected to that guy. And that's the next, verses 30 through 33. Give credit where it's due. Did you just, all of a sudden, did you go to a church service and you were motivated and now you just try really hard? And that's why, you know, I do better because I just try really hard. No. <laughs> I, I fail all the time. But somehow Jesus keeps picking me back up and dusting me off and putting me back to work. He gets all the credit every single time. Verse 34, doubters have no answer for a changed life. Not a true one, anyway. All they can do is keep trying to distract from the topic, trying to change the topic, trying to, to cast blame on, on Jesus as though 
he did something terrible, right? Verse 37, we see that Jesus further reveals himself to those faithful to share. I think that's one of the coolest aspects of this story. Now, nobody, he, he shared his testimony, and it, you don't see anybody in that story that says, I want to know Jesus too. Have you ever shared your story and, and people still weren't interested? You know the cool result, though, at the end of the story? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he was just obedient, and nobody turned to Christ. Nobody turned away from their own sins. But Jesus said, hey, you and me, we're going to spend some time together. You and me are closer now because you were obedient, because you just did what I asked you to do. And sometimes you'll, you'll be able to bring somebody else along, and it's going to be awesome. So what's, what's the point of all of this? We've covered kind of a gamut of different things here. If, if you're talking, if you're trying to share your faith, trying to share your story with somebody who's religious or prideful or self-righteous, what do they need to know? They need to know that that is not the answer. Right? They need to know that that's not enough. That's great to be religious. It's great to do good things for other people. It's great to, to be a great member of society. We need more of them. But that doesn't get you into heaven. The righteousness of Christ alone gets you into heaven. His, his sacrifice on the cross alone gets you into heaven. If you come across somebody who's humble, who's broken, who's the outcast of this world, do they need to know that they're a worthless sinner well, they need to know the details of it. They probably already assume that. They need grace. They need to know that, look, you think you're worthless? Hey, guess what? We all are. But you're worth the Son of God giving his life for your life. He made a way. He, he provided grace. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. If somebody's broken already, give them the grace of the gospel. Give them the good news. If, if somebody's a materialist, you know, what, is, what does the Bible say we should do? You know, so w- what is your scenario? Who are you talking to? What's, what is going on? What does the Bible say you do with somebody who, mater- who is a materialist, who is banking on their riches to be okay with God? Well, Bible says that's idolatry. Do what Christ did. Turn their tables over. Right? With what? With the word of God. Show them what God's word says. These idols are no good to you. Now, it's okay to be rich. It's okay to have things. It's not what's going to get you into heaven. It's not going to make you okay with God. Right? What is the scenario? Who are you talking to? Who are you reaching out to? What does the Bible say you should do in your approach? And if you feel like, well, I just, I don't know all that stuff. I mean, that's, that's a lot to remember, and I get in, you know, I get flustered, and just share your story, right? If, if you can't remember the details of exactly what God said, start sharing your story, and that stuff will come. It'll come back to you, because it, it's in there, right? The goal is to find out who you're speaking to, what kind of outlook they may have, 
determine what God says to that individual, right? We're, we're sounding the message to the self-righteous in Ezekiel 33. Before that, we're sounding out the message to the, to the wicked. But you need to turn. You need to turn before it's too late. Don't bank on your own righteousness. God speaks to different people in different ways. He's got a specific message for people based upon their response to him. It's our job to be watchmen. It's our job to, del- to deliver that message that God intends for them to hear. So do they need to know about the gospel of peace? Do they need to know they're a sinner first? Right? W- what details are they in need of? It's our job to deliver. It's our job to let them know. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I am thankful for your grace. Uh, I am thankful that, that you brought me to the place to where I realized my works were not enough. And I was humbled and desperate and frightened. And I was able to turn to you and, and submit my life to you and, and make you my Lord and Savior and trust what you've done on the cross on the cross as the payment for my sin, and I'm so thankful for that. We're all so thankful for that. Uh, we've got a, an outreach event this weekend, and we're going to have guests here, Lord, and we are desperately asking for open doors. We're asking for opportunities to share the gospel of peace. We're asking for opportunities to just be obedient and, and, and say what your word says. We're asking for opportunities to share our stories. And, and we're asking for opportunities to hear their stories first so that we can understand where they're at and we can be good friends. And uh, just pray that uh, this would be a successful um, opportunity in your eyes. This would be something we could measure as uh, obedience. And we've done exactly what you've asked us to do. Uh, we plan on having fun with it. It's going to be a great time. And we're, th- we're just thankful that uh, we have the resources to do it. Uh, and we just pray that... Uh, through the week, you'd help us to remember to pray f- about it, pray for it, pray for the folks that are coming, and uh, give us opportunities to open our mouths. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.